My name is Alicia Fall. I am the founder and vision holder of Her Many Voices Foundation. And welcome to another Lunch and Learn with our host, Myrna James. Um, our guest today is a dear friend of mine and the executive vice president at Church World Service, Maurice Bloom. Maurice spends his time raising awareness to fight hunger around the world. So today we are getting rational about hunger. Uh, we're going to find out what's going on in the world and how you get to make a difference as well. So good morning to Myrna and welcome Maurice. Thank you for hi, joining hi. us today. It's good to see hi, you. Alicia, hi, Myrna. Hello, hello. So, so thrilled to be here again. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to let you guys get to it. And um, I'm looking forward to this. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Thank you for joining us, Maurice. Thank you, Alicia. Maurice, we're so excited to learn about your work and get inspired and also have a dose of reality here too, right? Um, talking about getting rational about hunger. I would love for you to just introduce yourself, first of all. Sure. Thanks, Mirna. Yeah, I'm, I'm as Alicia uh mentioned i'm my name is maurice bloom i'm the executive vice president of an organization called church world service an organization that celebrates its 75th anniversary uh this year and uh, i've been working for the organization for more than 20 years now first in what we call the field that was the the regional rep for indonesia and timor leste and then after that i moved to uh, to new york and, and now I oversee at this moment uh, strategies, um, I'm involved in advocacy, governance, uh, a, lo a lot of different things. Um, but uh, I'm especially passionate to, uh, yeah, to, to spread awareness around uh, how we can end hunger and poverty and, and injustice. Um, you know, very important pillars of the work of Church World Service. Um, and then especially, you know, the, the emphasis on the needs of people on the move, refugees, migrants, asylum seekers. You know, it looks like your whole career has been dedicated to this kind of work. Is that true? Yeah, I, 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 I think so. You know, I, I started, uh, I studied cultural anthropology. And the main reason, to be honest, was because I liked traveling. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 um, I think in the fourth year I did my master's thesis practical training in Indonesia uh, among the Dayak in um, in Borneo and then I realized you know I don't only like you know traveling but I will also would like to ensure that uh, you know uh, there will be more equality in the world and that people will have um, you know more access to the resources that are out there um, have the equal right to to share um, to raise their voice etc so that's how I got involved first through uh, working with the university and then uh, through a local NGO in, in Bangladesh where I worked for seven years on issues like HIV AIDS, but also emergency response. And then, um, yeah, more than uh, 20 years ago, I was asked by Church World Service to, uh, to lead their operation in Indonesia. Um, that was at that time in the middle of a 
you know, the Asian economic crisis. Um, and then a couple of years later, the tsunami hit. So, um, mm. yeah, um, you know, ending hunger and poverty is, is very close to my heart. And, well, you know, you, you read my uh, recent blog about my mom. So, so uh, yeah, definitely that's very were important. You, were you there when the tsunami hit? I was not, I was actually on vacation. Mm. Uh, I, was in, I was in New Zealand, but uh, a couple of days after, yeah, I, I flew back. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, you know that I had seen a lot of uh, disasters in in Bangladesh, you know, floods, cyclones, etc. But um, yeah, I'd never seen anything like the devastation after that tsunami in two thousand four. If you talk about flatland, um, yeah, that's what uh, you know happened uh, there. I mean, the only I, we I flew a couple of days after to to uh, to Aceh and Panda Aceh and the only thing that was still standing was a mosque the rest was totally um, yeah destroyed and um, you know within my organization I had uh, staff colleagues who had lost you know 12 to 13 family members just you know in, in one day um, and, and similarly with people that we were so I have never seen anything like it um yeah and it's it's uh yeah it's something that i i think about a lot and especially um amina is that you know we we have now experienced or are experiencing this this uh crisis because of covid and um and i i uh you know i i try to cope with it in, in, in very much the same similar way as, as I've seen people in Bangladesh or Indonesia cope with these type of situation um, and which is definitely uh, influenced by my mom I, I wrote an article uh, a little blog it's not an article a little blog about the need to have grit during these times and my mom definitely had that um, and and you know basically it means to whatever situation you're in trying to look at the positive sides and hang on to that and not, not uh, um, you know, keep on uh, talking about what you don't have, but uh, yeah. focusing on what you do have. So, so that helped. That has helped me uh, during this this period of time, um, and that's definitely what I've learned of you know in my work working with refugees that have been in camps uh, for seventeen years or longer. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really incredible. Your work is really, really deep, and I really honor what you're doing. Um, let's really be, before we move on and go even deeper into that. Let's let's hear about the ration challenge because it's going on this week, right? The time is now for the ration challenge. <laughs> yeah, um, I you know the actual ration challenge will be done in the week of uh, World Refugee Day, so that's in June. June nine, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, okay. So I'm, yeah, me and my wife are doing it one week before, um, as an attempt, you know, to um, you know to talk about it like I do with you today, and to um, to encourage people to sign up, um, and that's still possible. Although it's not, I think it's not possible anymore to receive a ration package, but you can, you know, buy all the the things that you will eat yourself or. To support, um, you know, people who are doing the ration challenge. So that's why we are doing it uh, this week, 
and we are in day two. Uh, I was just telling you, you're, you're lucky that I just had my brunch because um, <laughs> I was getting a little bit uh, cranky. Um, but yeah, so so uh, m maybe it's a good uh, time to look at the video if that's possible, because I think that really explains um, a lot about what the Russian challenge is. Yeah, just then real briefly here, what it's you're doing is you're eating the exact rations of the Syrian refugees mm -hmm. and the food that they have available in the refugee camps in Jordan. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. And you're having people experience that for themselves. Yeah. So you, um, I mean, you when you sign up, you're explained about uh, what you can make. So there are different recipes that are shared. Recipes actually that are... Um, that are made by refugees themselves. So, so uh, our, our uh, counterpart organization has worked very closely uh, with Syrian refugees in Lebanon. So, they, uh, yeah, they came back with these refugees. So, so we are eating a lot of the same um, um, dishes. Although my, I have to say, and I can't take credit for, for me, you know, this is the second time I do it, and my, my wife has come up with her own re recipes as well, so, um, which has been great. So we are, you know, we're trying to make within, because, uh, Mina, we're talking about rice, flour, uh, dried lentils, dried chickpeas, uh, you have a, um, a can of, of kidney beans, and you get some sardines. Well, we chose to go vegetarian, so we have tofu. Um, and then when you raise some money, you get your, you have the ability to, to add some ingredients to it. So we have salt and pepper now, which is really great to have. I can tell you that. Um, so yeah, so you, you get a, you get one glimpse of one aspect of, of the experience of a refugee, of course. I mean, yeah. um, you can't compare it, but I can tell you it, it does something to you and, um, what we have learned is that people who have done this particular uh, challenge not only has raised uh, money for the work of my organization and others, but um, also um, started to you know, spread the word in, in telling their neighbors and their friends about what's going on in the world. I mean, there are 80 million uh, displaced people at, at the moment. That number is still increasing, especially due to climate change. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 it seems like, yes, it's only one aspect, but if it's used well, this particular uh, campaign, I think it can uh, do some, some pretty good things. That's really great. Let's go ahead and watch your video about that, though. I, I keep calling it in my brain the truck video. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. Meal that a Syrian refugee would have in a camp in Jordan. Wow, it's, it's not a lot. Do you think that's enough for a meal? No, 
The average refugee is living in a camp for 17 years, and the only food they have to eat are rations that are provided to them. For refugee, we have had time in our country. Everything, we lost everything. Less than 1% of refugees are able to actually be resettled here in the United States. It's heartbreaking to know that people are living like that, especially when you show the ration that you're given versus what you actually order to see the difference and it's just for one meal. So the ration challenge is a way for people to say, I care, I stand with refugees and to raise awareness and funds to help make a difference. Do you want to share a little bit more about that video? So it was, you know, basically uh, we, we uh, worked closely with a food truck in, in Durham, North Carolina, that is uh, um, led, uh, the owner is, is an ex-refugee. And um, what, what, uh, what you heard is that um, they, they made their orders for some nice food and then um, they received uh, the same as, you know, an, a portion of, of, uh, of refugee food. And um, so, you know, a lot of people were surprised. What is this? I ordered this food and this is so little. And we used it as a kind of um, um, educational tool to, to make people aware. And um, yeah, for, for many, there were eye openers, right? In, in uh, terms of, oh, wow, there are a lot of people that are displaced in the world. That's one, oh, we, you know, had no idea that maybe an average refugee stays 12 to 15 years in a camp before there is any solution. Um, and then three, if, you know, the food that they get is, is very little and, and lacks, uh, nutrients very often, uh, despite the fact that organizations are working on this, you know, we're trying to, to do their best, right. To improve the quality of the, of the food baskets at, as, as it is called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very different than, you know, what you and I, uh, are eating on a daily basis. Although our, our problem is. We might be overeating so so uh, right. yeah it's another challenge so um the actual day is june 9th which is one week from today next wednesday right the, yeah that's that's world refugee day so in that week most people who signed up for uh, the ration challenge will do the ration challenge but it's also possible to do it later in the month you know you pick your time when it's best for you um, and if you, as I said, if you cannot join yourself, uh, please, you know, support some of the participants. And here is the link rationchallengeusa.org. And is that where we sign up? Exactly. Yes. Great. That's great. And, you know, I, Amina, the, the, it's the second time that uh, the United States is participating in this. It's a, it's a challenge that started in Australia. So our, um, uh, a partner organization Act for Peace started it there. Um, it's also going on in Ireland. Uh, for us, it's the second year that we are participating. Um, last year we didn't do it because of the um, COVID uh, crisis. We we thought it was not appropriate. Um, so this is the second year um, that we are doing it. And and uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Um, it's mind. It's it's really a, a, a change. You know, your the way you look at at the world and you look at the food is really changing. I mean, you know, uh, yesterday I was on Sunday. I was working with uh, my wife. We were looking at 
how do you divide all the portions? Um, so I, you know, she, and again, she is our cook. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually a little bit cheating. I'm, I'm, I'm only eating. I'm not doing a lot of preparation, but um, she made, you know, falafels, very tiny ones out of what we had. And, you know, and then we have put it in boxes. Like I can have maximum two a day because otherwise we, we will run out of our rations. I would only have rice at the end of the end of the week. So, um, yeah, you really need to be uh, creative, and and um, yeah, it's not it's not easy to do. As I mentioned yeah. to you before we started, you know, you know that I've also walked a hundred miles to raise awareness about hunger and and stuff, and that was also not every day easy. But this is, I I think this challenge is more um, difficult. Even people doing it just one day will help them realize the feeling of hunger that people have on a regular basis, mm -hmm. that we are so privileged we don't have that feeling very often, almost never. Um, and you and your family, as you said, you're doing it for a week. So that's that's really incredible. Um, the, the rice and the lentils, and that reminds me of being in Nepal when of course, their daily meals are dalbat, right? Mm -hmm. It's rice and lentils, and yeah. that's daily food for the majority of people in, in Nepal and a lot of places like that. Um, I would love to now hear a little bit more about, you mentioned your mother actually a few times already, and I'd love to hear her story um, because I know that she served as a huge inspiration for you and how you live your life today. Can you share that with us? Yeah, no, she she is. You know, um, and my dad was as well, but my the 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 passing of my mother is is more recent. So that happened last year, uh, April first, mm -hmm. and you know, I because of COVID, I was not able to be there with her. Um, mm -hmm. I was not able to to uh, to fly back uh, home to attend her funeral. Um, yeah, and and you know, she. She visited, she has visited us a, a lot when we were living in Bangladesh, still together with my dad, Indonesia also together with my dad. But then in, in the US, my dad had already passed away. So she came here a couple of times and her life is pretty incredible. Um, you know, she, when she was a small child, she had uh, a polio. So, you know, at, at a certain uh, day, um, she was a, unable to raise her uh, arm. And um, she didn't know, you know, what was wrong. But to make a long story short, uh, she had to go in quarantine for for a while. So, you know, as a small child without your parents, mm -hmm. um, and um, basically, she had as a result of the polio, she had to she lived her whole life with one arm that was dead. Mm -hmm. um, but I never realized that until I was uh, an adult. I really never realized that that my mom uh, had a disability. I mean, I was yesterday looking at sports and they were talking about, um, you know, the Paralympics and, you know, badminton, etc. My mom played tennis, my mom played badminton, but I never considered that she needed to be in a separate group. She played with everyone, everyone right? So mm -hmm. um, an amazing uh, woman. And then knowing that, uh, to, and my dad as well, that they both were imprisoned in an intern camp during Second World War, when Indonesia was occupied by uh, Japan, um, and then they thought, you know, after three years the war was over, but then an independence war started. So that took around five years. 
Wow. So, which then finally um, made them decide to to go to the Netherlands because they were Dutch citizens, although born and, and raised in Indonesia, uh, at that time still a colony of the Netherlands. Mm. So they they you know they had to leave the place where they were born against their uh, wish because they they wanted to you know yeah the, the home was was at that time Indonesia. So they went to the Netherlands. They were they had a tough time in the Netherlands um, because people said, you know, you should be happy that you're received um, here, that we welcome you um, because we just experienced the war and my parents had also experienced the war. So they, they faced a lot of discrimination. Mm. And um, But despite all those, um, you know, challenges that they had, and, and especially my mom, uh, you know, they were able to raise four uh, kids that all went to university and had good careers. Mm and wonderful people although my wife always says no they raised three uh, great folks um, <laughs> but uh, you know that's debatable um, <laughs> but um, yeah so so um, an in incredible uh, a woman as I said in the beginning that showed what grit is always positive um, and um, yeah never gave never um, gave gave up always um, um, she she did uh, teach it that we had to work hard um, which was not uh, strange you know we were uh, you're Asian so we were um, from mixed so we did have to um, work harder than others in, in, in a lot of situations that uh, was just a, a fact so so uh, and that's something that she experienced as well. I, that's not something that I wrote in the blog, but um, uh, she was the darkest, the darkest child of, of children of seven. So already from her childhood, uh, and that was not necessarily due to polio, but just the fact that she was dark. She was always told that, you know, it will be difficult for you to get a, you know, a good husband. So you have to work hard. Oh my god! That's how you will. Um, so yeah, I mean, an incredible. Uh, little woman, I always said it. You know, um, she was not very tall, but but she definitely uh, um, was, a, yeah, a huge inspiration. Really, really focusing on the positive side of life. Yeah, and absolutely. Even, I can't believe you didn't notice that she couldn't use her arm <laughs> until you were. Yeah. Until you were grown up, that's amazing. Like that's you're right. That's the point. Is she never even talked about it? Yeah, she was never. Uh, complaining no yeah yeah that's amazing um so your work regarding um hunger is is very specific it's tied directly to the subject of poverty of course mm -hmm. um and there's two things i'd like to talk about so whichever thread you'd like to pick up but yeah. uh, i know that you know a lot about why 80 million people in the world are displaced right now and i'd love to learn myself why that is and then also talk about this tie between poverty and hunger and how it's really not about a lack of food, right? It's There's other systemic problems underlying that. Mm -hmm. So however however you'd like to share your wisdom on those subjects would be great. Sure, sure, Mina. Uh, let, let us talk maybe about the causes of hunger. Um, and I will try to, to make a... Um, and, you know, a little advertisement about the sustainable development goals that we accepted as a world, the different countries, as, you know, to end hunger uh, is, is uh, sustainable development goal number two. 
Um, and so we developed as a world 17 develop or we agreed upon 17 development goals, sustainable development goals that we will reach before 2030. And some on some goals we are doing better than than others. And this um, is through the through the United Nations. Through the United Nations. All, yes. yes, all governments agreed upon them. They are often referred to as the SDGs. As yes, or global as SDGs or global goals. Yeah. Um, so and and uh, and almost all countries signed signed up for those. Um, so if we talk about sustainable development goal number two, you know, hunger. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely refer uh, people to Bread for the World uh, website who has made tremendous publications about this as well, especially for, for the listeners in the US. A, uh, a lot of reports around uh, domestic hunger as well. But if you if you think about ending hunger, you know, poverty is, is um, the main cause of, of hunger in the world. Um, yeah, there are, are uh, close to a billion people living um of you know yeah then one one dollar ninety uh, a day or less so mm -hmm. you can imagine that that's really problematic so although even there might be food uh you know difficult difficulties with purchase uh, of it uh, job instability is another one um that that causes people to to uh, have a lack of food then food shortages and waste and and especially around uh Often that people don't realize is that um, forty percent of food grown in some countries um, is is wasted, and and um, so that uh, has to do with a lot of smallholder farmers that do not have the adequate uh, storage facilities uh, to protect um, you know again pests and 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 weather. So so uh, yeah, that, that's a big one. Um, then anyway, in terms of poor infrastructure, access to, again, of small holder farmers to the markets to sell food. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an important one. Um, then uh, what is important is climate change. And that is also uh, an important reason why there are so many people um, displaced. And um, so climate change is, is, uh, is, is becoming more and more uh, an issue uh, damaging food and water insecurity in significant ways. Um, where I'm really uh, thrilled about is that the next generation really seems to understand that this is an issue we cannot ignore. Mm. Um, you know, a, a person like Greta is uh, almost <laughs> single-handedly, you know, was able to put this, you know, front and center of, of a lot of uh, negotiation tables and. Um, yeah, I, maybe a little bit later we can talk a little bit about, about uh, the podcast that I started last year, but I, I was able to talk with a lot of young people and it's really, um, I get really encouraged and hopeful about how the next generation is positioning itself um, and speaking out. Then another one around hunger, Mirna, is war and conflict uh, that is going on. Um, then a big one is nutritional uh, quality. And I would like to lift up uh, one important aspect to this. Um, the first thousand days of a child um, is really crucial. So that means, you know, the moment that a mother gets pregnant until a child gets two years old. Uh, so the first thousand days of a child. If the child doesn't get 
the proper food, um, he or she will never make up for that loss. Um, so, so uh, you know, you can imagine if 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 a mother is already malnourished, how do, does she ensure that her child uh, is is well taken care of? Um, access to food. So there are it's it's what we call um, the hidden hunger um, around that, and and um, it's really something that uh, we should not underestimate. It's something that I realize, um, although the ration package for that, that I'm eating now, we try to, I mean, the, the, the different agencies, the UN are trying to come up with a, uh, you know, a balanced diet, but it is extremely uh, difficult to get all your, in the nutrients that, uh, that you need to get um, in those type of situation. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I would like to mention is just, you know, clear discrimination, you know, uh, injustices, um, because, you know, some, um, yeah, some countries uh, or some people within countries are discriminated against, and then they don't have um, get access to to food or the right food. So there are a lot of um, systematic uh, issues uh, around it. So, yeah, that's a, a little bit around um, hunger, Mina. That is just heartbreaking to think of discrimination as a cause for hunger, meaning because of the color of your skin or because of whatever about you, you don't deserve food, right? It's it's ridiculous. It's just so, so out there. Um, you mentioned um, climate change as one of the causes. I, I know that there is such a thing as climate refugees, right? Mm -hmm people whose homes are destroyed. And of course, we talked briefly about the tsunami yeah. um, in 2004, but um, it's a very real thing. I know there are island states that are actually nation states that are islands that are disappearing underwater. Mm -hmm. And literally those people will have nowhere to go. And when they go on land somewhere else, they won't have a country. Right. They won't. Their whole nation is, is going to be gone. And it's um, and they are then refugees, really. And I think the term they're using is climate refugees. Um, and and so I know that's one aspect of how climate change is affecting this as well. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, it's it's maybe best to. Yeah, for me, it's easiest to to uh, share the experiences that I have, as, as I mentioned to you earlier. I was our uh, representative for for uh, CWS in Indonesia and Timor Leste, and especially in eastern Indonesia, they are facing a lot of drought, and so access to water to uh, mm -hmm. um, you know around yeah that creates huge issues around water and sanitation, but also um, yeah for for the for the gardens for your agriculture uh, that you have or for animal husbandry if you don't have water or lack of or uh, not enough. And, and definitely in the eastern parts of Indonesia, you see more droughts, uh, you know, more severe El Ninos, more frequent. Um, so that all has to do with, with uh, you know, changing uh, climate. It's, it's, it's uh, obvious. Now we, I think going back to our last year, uh, we have seen that if we make certain behavioral changes, things do turn out to be better right i mean it, it's uh we all remember the, the the pictures of venice um where suddenly you know tourists were not there anymore because of 
of, of COVID and there, you know, you could see fish in the water again. So yes, it's just one example, but um, um, I, I do think that uh, we need to use this moment and, and it's still hard. I, I totally get that. We are still in this crisis, but we need to use this moment as a, as a reset of how we, um, you know, live our lives. So uh, not to think only about ourselves, but about others, because the the virus is clearly a result of, um, in, um, you know, there are more viruses coming up as a result of that we cut um, uh, trees, right? And then certain uh, species die. And, and so the whole ecosystem is, is messed up as a result of that. So we know that uh, now we actually... The only, re the only way to solve this uh, COVID uh, uh, crisis is also by working together to realize that we are interconnected. Unfortunately, many of us still try to solve it by ourselves, and that's not possible. It's only temporary. Um, in the same way, we need to try to address the issues that we are facing around uh, you know, climate change and the implications of that, um, people being displaced, being hungry, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, it's becoming more and more obvious that human health is directly related to the health of the planet, mm -hmm. of the earth, the living earth, and that the planet itself needs to be regenerated and made healthier so that humanity can survive and thrive um, and, and all of that. I know there's a lot of, um, I've been learning a lot about this lately, just about the energy and um you know, quantum mechanics and electromagnetic pulses and that kind of thing and how the, the energy of the earth um, is the same frequency as as the human body. Um, you know, this is why grounding and going for walks and going to the river, I think we, we subconsciously know that it's good to be in nature and it's sort of think, something we take for granted, but we shouldn't because it really is literally making us healthier not just mentally healthier, but physically healthier as well. Hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, you, you are part of an organization that, that does tremendous work. And if uh, I would like to, to, to do some shameless self-promotion around this as well, is, um, you know, you know that I have a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen, and one of the guests was Alicia Fall, your, your founder. And she speaks, you know, so eloquently and and, and beautifully about, uh, you know, how this how this works. I would really encourage the listeners to to check that out. That's great. Yeah, that's is that the podcast you started last year? Yes. Yeah. Talk, talk, listen. Great. Yeah, I, I you know, uh, Mina, I um, when I moved from Indonesia to to the US. Um, I really wanted to do something back for the volunteers in the U.S. because, um, you know, I realized that a lot of the funds that I was able to use with our team in Indonesia to, you know, different issues came out of what we call the Crop Hunger Walk in, in, uh, that, was or that is organized by my organization already for 50 years. And um, so I, come, I came up with the idea of, you know, when I'm in the U.S., what I will do is I will just walk from the east to the west coast and really talk about you know uh, the great volunteers and about ending hunger and um yeah i come from the netherlands i have no clue about how big this country is so so i realize that's not possible my my, my boss will not give me months off right so so then what is possible so then i came up with 10 years ago almost 10 years ago now with a 100 mile walk 
uh, where I walk 15 to 20 miles per day and I visit communities, I talk with them, so I visit shelters, um, uh, food banks, etc., and kind of try to raise awareness about the great volunteers within this uh, country um, and, and beyond, and as well as the need to, to gather to end, end hunger. So I was planning to do that one time, uh, but uh, this October it will be my 10th. Um, so it's, it's gone a little out of hand. So I, I hope my, my colleagues will come up with a solution to help me out because I, I, I cannot do this in another 10. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so you know, it, it was awesome. And, and I did not only walk in, in the US, but I also walked in Indonesia. So, um, and when I have these walks, I talk with a lot of people. And unfortunately, last year I had to do it all alone because of COVID. So then I thought, okay, is there something that is close to this? And then I started the podcast to invite mm -hmm. people to virtually walk with me. And that has gone also a little bit out of hand because now we are at uh, today, episode 42, I went out a conversation with, uh, with Corey Donovan. Um, and, and, you know, who has his own um, NGO and he works on impact investment. Definitely something that you should check out because um, if you think about how can we make changes, you know, to the system, because that's clear. We need to, you know, have a different food system. We need to have a different type of uh, the way we make our money. And he talks in the podcast about um, that we all have probably some investments, you know, and for some of us only our pension. And um, but, but check out what the money is used for in your in your uh, in your pension. And and some of us might be uh, appalled by the, the fact that, you know, um, as he mentioned, you know, our on the our right hand is trying to uh, to work on issues as racial injustice, etc., and maybe your left hand through your investments, you're uh, sponsoring uh, private prisons. So um, anyway, it, it yeah, I'm always yeah. Uh, humbled by by um, the fact that through this work and and uh, I'm able to connect with with so many different people. And I mean, I really think that at the end of the day, whatever we do, if you're able to. Uh, bring even one person, connect one person with the other, uh, that can have huge implications. You know, the power of one. I mean, Gandhi showed that. Um, and and um, so, so yeah, if there is one message, um, don't get discouraged about um, all the challenges that we have because you can make a difference as an individual. I'm absolutely convinced about that. Yeah, that's amazing. So Maurice, when I found out your background and who you actually are, I was so excited because uh, 45 years ago, I was doing the Crop Walk for Hunger in my farm town in Kansas, where I grew up. It's awesome. We did it every year yeah. for many years. And um, I just have to tell one tiny funny story about it. Um, mm -hmm. I played the flute in fifth grade and I left my I went to the school, mm -hmm. my mom was a teacher, I went to the car, and my cat was in the car. So my cat had been in the, the car for the entire school day. So I put my flute on the top of the car, and we drove home, and we got home, and eventually someone told us they saw the flute on top of the car, but they couldn't stop us, and, by, and so the flute's gone, right? The flute mm -hmm. fell off the car somewhere, <laughs> and we found it on the crop walk. Oh, really? <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> 
<laughs> we found my flute yeah. completely smashed and run over by, you know, on the crop walk. Isn't yeah. that funny? So, it it's just, but we absolutely loved it. I, it was a very big deal. We got sponsors. We were mm -hmm. little kids, you know, we were like 10, 11 years old, 12 years old, and um, always did the crop walk. It was something that we were, we did through our Methodist church locally. And now your organization really organizes that all across the world in many, many different, uh, through different religious organizations, right? Yeah, so the, the actually the the walks that are taking place outside of the US are only one or two. So that's still, um, you know, not that, yeah, not as uh, significant as it's in the US. Um, but actually, you know, I have an interesting story about the crop, the ori origins of the uh, crop hunger walks. Well, I mean, you know, because um, it was an idea of of uh, a, a couple of folks. Um, there are some discussions which who were who was first, but uh, but uh, so I'm not going to mention any of both towns who claim <laughs> that they were first. But um, they came up with the idea and and sent it to the so to the headquarters of of uh, my organization at that time and. I'm also not mentioning names there because I don't want to blame anybody, but they thought this is not a good idea to organize, you know, walks to raise money for hunger, you know, and, and so they said no. And, but uh, this group of people still did it. And, you know, it exists already for 50 years, right? And um, very successful. Uh, there are some challenges because the younger generation is less inclined maybe to, to be part of crop hunger walks, uh, you know, maybe they are more inclined to do a ration challenge that I'm doing at the moment, or do a run uh, or, or work through apps that we also developed. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's pretty amazing. So my lesson there is, you know, even if not everybody is behind your idea, you know, if you believe in the idea, go for it and make it work. So so crop hunger walk is definitely uh, a good example of that. Absolutely, that's great. Um, I'd also like to pick up kind of before we um, bring Alicia back in, I'd mm -hmm. like to pick up on, um, you mentioned when you first got into this work, it was really because you were studying cultural anthropology, because you love to travel. Mm -hmm. And when you went to these other places, you realized, like, it sounds like it really opened your heart to all of humanity meeting people who needed help and meeting people who, and realizing how privileged some of us are. Um, I had a, a similar experience with traveling in that um, I did a, a year and a half trip around the world with a backpack and I loved, that was one of my big epiphanies, right? Is that we mm -hmm. as humans, we, humanity, we are all, we are so much more similar than we are different. We all need a roof over our heads and food to eat every day. We love our families. We want to protect our loved ones. You know, we have more in common than we are different. And um, it's it really shifted my worldview. I actually call it my first big course correction of my life because mm -hmm. it shifted my worldview and, and opened it so wide in a way that was just priceless to me um, in, in helping me see the world differently. Um, it sounds like you had a similar experience and that your experience of that formed your entire life path then. Is that right? Uh, oh, sorry. I thought I had put myself on mute because I, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, for me, Mirna, it was a, a combination of, of, of two things. I mean, one is uh, um, 
a, a romantic view of of you know because of movies and 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 tropical weather and stuff so so uh, that's one um part of it and then the other part is you know the stories that i grew up with as a, as a result of you know my my especially my dad uh, when he talked about uh indonesia there were two in his stories also two elements to it Rom romanticism around you know the beautiful but at the same time also experience so many things uh, that were really hardship if you really listened carefully because he was always it was always done with humor but it was if you really listened there was a lot of hardship within that so um when i started to to travel definitely you know the romantic view of you know everything is more beautiful outside was was the main maybe the main reason but then you see um yeah you you meet places and you realize that um well for me it's nice it's okay um to do this for a week or for two weeks but if other people have to, to live these type of lives their whole lives that's maybe not not maybe <laughs> that's a different story uh, right so um yeah i mean traveling around the world definitely um helped me to to um yeah to be convinced that the work that i do i need to continue doing um but i don't see my work as better or as anybody else who's doing other stuff don't get me no it's it's, it's really a, jo a job um i mean i get um it's, you know it's, it's nice to hear when people thank me for the work that i do but it's it's total nonsense everything all everything we all do is important um so so don't um yeah <laughs> I, yeah I'm, I'm i'm definitely not a saint and again my wife will can testify uh, to that <laughs> um the, the other thing i would like to to mention um mina is that i'm, I'm a big fan of, of a philosopher called ken wilber and the way he one of the things he says is you know everybody's perspective is true albeit partial and i really think yeah. that is so um it yeah. is so true but also helpful in trying to solve issues because then um that would mean that you know even with your worst enemy you 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 know it, there is something that you can have a connection with so it's also something why i started this podcast is to show people that um everybody all the guests are actually marvelous but even if you disagree with you know with a lot what they're saying you, know, you get a better understanding of where they come from and why they act like they do etc and if you um you know so that can be a beginning of dialogue and dialogue is the beginning of of making this world a little bit better so so um yeah that's there are small steps that we need ultimately to to uh yeah to make that's the world that we need that's a really beautiful quote. I love that. Um, I'm going to say it again. Everyone's perspective is true, but also partial um, by Ken Wilber. And, and, you know, that really shows how what you're saying is we all have our version of the truth and our version is true for us, but it's only based on our own life experience. That's all we have, right, is our own limited. Mm -hmm. Everyone's experience is limited. Um, and because of that limitation, it's inherent. Um, we have our truth, but the other person has the right to their own view as well. Like it's, we can't be right. We can't, right? There's almost no such thing as right yeah. <laughs> because yeah. of that. I'd, real quick, um, I'd like to say to the audience, if you have any questions at all for Maurice, please. Um, I think there's a way for you to type them in for us. 
Um, where, where, where will they pop up? I think behind the scenes, our producer here will magically oh, okay. make them appear for us. Uh -huh. <laughs> she's she's magic. There she is. So, um, it, but please do uh, feel free to ask questions here. We have about nine minutes left. Um, so as your questions come in, if, if so, we can certainly do that. And I think now we'd love to bring Alicia Fall, the Her Many Voices founder back on board. Here she is. Hello. Hey there. Um, you know, so I'm sitting here and obviously listening intently and having this reflection because this morning my, my belly is full and I probably ate enough food to last someone for the next three or four days, right? Um, and I'm also sitting here reflecting on, uh, Maurice, you know that I, I've done a fair amount of work and Her Many Voices has been working in Haiti for a number of years now mm -hmm. and we have a, a mutual connection down there. And I remember the very first time going to Haiti and it was just weeks after the earthquake where complete devastation and we brought medical supplies and food and sitting, meeting with a group of people in, um, in a particular region for the first time. Uh, and they had nothing. Many of these people lost everyone and everything in their lives. And we sat at this table and they brought out a piece of bread, a loaf of bread about this size and poured coffee. And they put that loaf of bread in front of me. And of course I waited and there were no other loaves of bread. So I took my little piece and then passed the plate. And that moment was so profound for me because this is not, we take so much for granted here, you know. Um, and so here it was this first moment, this introduction of meeting people in this community um, after this, this tragedy and recognizing that this was not just because of an earthquake. This was for many people their life. This is what they had. You know, the, the average person down in Haiti lives off of $2 a day. And, um, and it really was the impetus for me to get, my, get myself going and working very hard di diligently in Haiti to elevate communities and to work with the women there um, to make sure that their children have food. Um, and we, since then, we launched a program. It was an intergenerational agriculture program with the school that we started there. And now it, they've taken it to the next level. Um, and it's making the difference in everyday lives. Uh, and it's that little seed that we all get to plant. You know, it's, it's, sometimes we think, oh, well, who am I? Because, the, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking we have, we waste over 1.3 billion tons of food in this world. In this country, we waste over a million uh, tons of food. And, and so I think, you know, we have this big problem with so many people who have none, and yet we have all of this waste here. And so sometimes you think it's overwhelming and who am I and I can't do anything or I don't know where to start. And yet there's so many little seeds that we get to plant in this world, literally and figuratively, that will make a difference uh, as you are doing. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for all of this work and bringing this attention to, to us collectively, because it's, um, 
we can easily walk around with blinders on in this life. And especially when we live in environments that we live in here in the States. Poverty is, uh, it's a powerful thing and it's, and it's not spoken about often. It's not seen as often only because we choose not to, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Thanks for that. Well, we yeah. do have, we've got a few more minutes and, um, and I know uh, there was another video that, that you wanted us to show. Myrna, is that a good time now? I think so. I would love that. It's it's circling back to the ration challenge, which would be great to remind people of and to remind them how they can sign up. Yeah, going to ration challenge USA.org. And um, yeah, the, the video that you're showing is is again one of, of uh, shameless self-promotion, but I'm doing this for a good cause. So so if you if you help me to raise some some funds uh, or awareness, it will be great. Uh, a lot of people around the world will be helped by it. That was beautiful. The song was beautiful. And I, I really, I can't wait to go sign up for the ration challenge. Yes, and absolutely. Um, I might have to seek out another crop walk somewhere. <laughs> yeah, because, because we are all almost all over the US. So, so you, you can go to croppongerwalk.org, I think, and then you will find out more information. Great. But, uh, and I know you're, you're 100 mile, um, dot org your 100 mile walk is that taking place in october yes we we just had our first uh meeting about that yesterday i i, I have to be honest i don't want to think about it yet but uh, yes we started uh organizing you know thinking about what it needs to be what i i really uh if you go to 100 mile.org you'll also see an app that we developed and um where you can lock your miles that you walk on a daily basis and then you get points for those miles and those points can be used to unlock uh, rewards and those rewards are things like that you support you know home gardens in haiti or you know water sanitation in, in indonesia those type of things um, so yeah so even if you don't want to do a crop hunger walk or you don't want to do a ration challenge which I think you should, but if you don't want to, then, then you know, downloading the app is easy because everybody walks to their car, I think, or to their bicycle, and your phone is is capturing your your steps, right? So uh, yeah, uh, that's great. That's great. Really smart to tie that to the steps counter and all that. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. Well, is thank you any... for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, for people that that uh, you know want to reach out to me to know more. Yeah, 100mile.org or, or send me an email. Um, I, I'm sure there will be notes in, in the recording of this as well. So 
uh, no problem at all. Great. We are here in this world to help each other. That's what I believe in. So, absolutely, we all we come together, we work together, we rise together. So, thank, Maris, you. thank you very so much. much. Thank you. Thank you, Myrna.